0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We're glad you are out there. Um, I just want to start. We'll open up in prayer. We'll have some worship, and then we'll have uh, uh, some teaching going on or testimonies and stuff like that. So, um, our brother Jim will be speaking tonight. So, uh, let's pray. We'll pray for him, too. All right, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you. Lord, this is the day you made for us. We will rejoice. We will be glad in it. We'll thank you for the breath of life you've given to us. We'll thank you, Lord, that you called us out of darkness into the light. We'll thank you, Lord, that, that uh, because we have met Jesus as our Savior, that our whole family is are sanctified and set apart for holiness. And, Lord, tonight we want the world to know Jesus. Lord, we're airing over the air like we do every week several times a week lord and we know that out there somewhere is that last person that didn't hear the gospel and needs to come to know Jesus and then maybe you know you'll you'll come back and take us out of this place and we don't have to worry about what's going on in this world anymore and see the, the depravity and all the things that are going on Lord and we know that these things are going to happen you told us they were going to happen but um, Lord we just want to pray for this country tonight lord that That We would stay in the center of your will and father that we would humble ourselves pray seek your face Repent of our sin and you said you would you would heal our land and forgive our sins Lord and tonight We pray that that uh, as we come before you we confess our sins father God and we ask you to forgive us our sins because Jesus paid the price for it for our sins Lord for the penalty of our sins upon himself. And now we can come to your throne boldly because of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, tonight uh, we give you this night, Father, for your glory. Lord, bless the speaker. Uh, bless the prayers. Bless the worship. Not so that people would would be excited about Freedom Church, but they'd be excited about our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, in his as the, as He receives the glory, the honor, the praise, Lord God, that You will will in turn smell that sweet-smelling aroma of how Your people worship You and sa- give us You the sacrifice of prayer and praise, and uh, before Your Your holy self, Lord, and You would be pleased, Father. Today we give this our families over to You, Lord. Many of us today, our families are lost. Many of them today have turned away to You away from you lord and have gone the ways of the world because the world has so much to offer and father it caters to our our sin nature but lord tonight we want them to wake up so lord send your holy spirit into their lives lord god and begin to speak to them and bring to their remembrance everything that they learned even when they were little children because that's what the holy spirit says you said the holy spirit will do bring to their remembrance so that they would come and return to you. Not only for our families, but for this nation, Lord. And we would remember that we came to this country for for um, for freedom to worship the living God through Jesus Christ. That was the main purpose, Lord, of coming here. Somehow in the last couple hundred years, we seem to drift off the map, Lord, and help us to return to you. Lord, we just give you this day this is your day. We love you, Lord, with all of our heart. We love you, Jesus, for what you did for us. Thank you for saving us and restoring our soul. Thank you for cleansing us. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you again, all you out there. We're glad you're here. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joan Um I just want to uh, uh, thank you for being here. You can tune in. Every Thursday at 7:15, every Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can go online to our website freedomchurchpb.org. That's freedomchurchpb.org, and you can listen to our 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 messages for the past several years, five or six years. Uh, you can you can uh, donate online. You can find out about our leaders. You can sign up for for uh, different uh, different things online. You can even go to our fervent prayer uh, link, and you can get the application, fill that out. I was outside doing a little work today, and some man walking the street just came up to me. What's this fervent prayer ministry? And I told him. It was a deliverance ministry, and I could tell he didn't know much about the gospel, but but, uh, who knows? He might have been an angel just checking us out or I told him to come in. We'll give them an application because a lot of people need to get a little closer to the Lord. Um, so you could find anything out on there, to find out what we believe in. We believe that Jesus Christ saves us by his precious blood. We didn't do a thing, nor could we do anything, but he redeemed us from the curse of the law by shedding his blood for us. The Holy One of Israel who never sinned had no Death had no dominion over him, and the third day, he arose from the grave and conquered sin and death, and he crushed the devil's skull, and devil just bruised his heel because he put a couple wounds in him, and thank God, we don't have to take those wounds. Jesus took them for us, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, the great and mighty God that you are. Um, also, I wanted to tell the ladies, you know, that with the holidays coming up um, this, this tomorrow, night the ladies would be meeting they are not meeting tomorrow night so the ladies meeting tomorrow night is canceled and we'll keep you abreast of the holiday um, situations at the church and what's going on here for men uh, Saturday morning nine o'clock we have a pretty good group of men we're a smaller church we have anywhere between 10 and 15 people you know 15 men and it's a good good little group so we're Thank the Lord that we seem to be strong in, the, in that area. And the ladies are not far behind us. So uh, uh, just ladies, come on out when we have the, the ladies have the next Bible study. Um, that's about it. Give button on the air if you want to give. Again, I have to urge you during these times of COVID, a lot of churches have not opened up yet. And even if they did, their attendance is down. You know, you got to keep the, the, the your, your tithes and offerings coming in. You know, you tithe to your church. I'm going to tell you right now, you might not hear that from every pastor. You tithe to your church. If you like what you hear here, you can donate or give us a gift. But your tithe goes to your church, and that keeps the gospel going out. Otherwise, we stifle the gospel a little bit, and we don't want to do that we we need to we need to move faster and harder and quicker in this world as we see the way the the world's just spiral spiraling downward. The Lord told us it's going to happen we knew it's going to happen uh I was hoping it might be a little later you know like a million years from now but um you know it's it's going to happen and times are going to get worse anyway um if you don't have a church, or we do meet on Sundays. You can be here at 10 a.m. We have gloves in the back, masks in the back. We, we disinfect this church every Saturday with a fog so you can feel a little bit safer when you come here, um, and nobody will look down on you if you don't wear a mask or if you do wear a mask, okay? Liz is going to lead us in some worship, and then Brother Jim will be up here, and he's going to uh, do what the Lord told him to do, Okay.
1: Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord, may I praise our praise and worship be acceptable to you. Amen, amen. Those that are able to lessen up and praise and worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your confidence. Thank you, Lord, for the Christian life. Hallelujah. A walk closer, closer to you. That's our desire, Lord. That's our prayer, Lord, that we could get close and closer to you.
2: Never will run dry 15.5.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep making this. Keep making me, Lord. Hallelujah. That's my desire, Lord. That's
2: my prayer, Lord. For you to keep holding me. Make me broken so so I can can be be healed. healed. Because I'm I'm so callous. Now I can't feel. I wanna run to you with heart wide open. Make me broken. Make me empty so I can be filled. Cause I'm still holding onto my will. Completed.
1: shelter hallelujah we worship you lord
3: as morning dawns and From earth to touch your heart And glorify your name Your name is a strong and mighty tower Your name is a shelter like no other Your name nation sing it louder cause nothing has the power to say but your name Say,
2: and your name Hallelujah. is a strong and mighty tower. your name is a shelter life.
1: That is beautiful. We love you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
4: about now now we're on okay science science in action if you were watching back in um, May, I was teaching out of the book of Acts and uh, because you may not have been uh, I wanted to introduce myself a little bit I'm Jim Houchins I've been coming to this church for about uh, two years and I've been bugging pastor Joe to let me give my testimony so that's what I'm going to do this evening uh, he was teaching out of the uh, book of Hebrews, and he left off in, uh, I think it was Hebrews no, uh, 8, and so tonight would have been Hebrews 9 or 10. And um, I'll move into Hebrews 11 a little bit because that's the faith chapter, and everything in the kingdom works by faith. But I have uh, been involved in the church for quite a while. I founded a ministry called Traveling Mercies Ministry and um, in 2002 I retired a little early from the world. I did 45 years as a scientist and, a, and an engineering manager, a believer in evolution. Um, so when I was saved I did serious study and was called into the ministry and here I am an introvert uh, doing the work of an evangelist. So my ministry is uh, called Traveling Mercy's RV Ministry. I added the RV because um, that's what I do. I use an old RV, travel around, and minister as I go. And so um, this has been my my ministry. Uh, I'm a one-man band, pretty much. And so I've been in every state. I've been all over Canada. I've been um, four times to Alaska if I can't drive there I fly there and I've been in Central America, East Africa all over the Middle East four times to Israel so I do get around I traveled a lot when I was working and uh, that was work and not not pleasure now I'm traveling around for Jesus and just having a lot of fun so the problem was I was raised atheist I never saw a need for Christ I went to school and got degrees and um got good jobs that paid a lot of money and did very well on my own um you know it's it's like what do i need god for i'm doing fine so what happened was all of a sudden that changed and it changed overnight quite suddenly and everything went went bad and um I want to uh, tell you how it how I came into the position I'm in now so people ask me where I'm from I was born in Minneapolis in 1939 you can do the math and see that I'm 81 so um, right after I was born my dad who's an attorney for an insurance company was sent to Mississippi to uh, set up a insurance claims office there and so my mom threw me in the back seat of the 32 Ford and off we went to to Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, and we lived there when I was a little kid, and then the war started in 1941, and my dad was uh, recruited into the FBI, and he was uh, assigned to immigration in Philadelphia. So we then moved to Philadelphia, and the reason for the funny access is because I'm a Mississippi Delphian, people say where are you from you know I can't figure out where you're from because of the funny accent but anyway uh, I went to kindergarten and part of the first grade in Philadelphia and then uh, the war ended and we moved back to Minneapolis because my dad's job in Mississippi had been filled and uh, he stayed there at the headquarters of the insurance company for the rest of his career my dad was an interesting guy he uh was a boxer boxed in the golden gloves uh retired undefeated he knocked out every opponent and they wanted him to be professional but he wanted to go to law school and so he put himself through law school got his uh, attorney uh, license and he did a lot of work for my friends and the family at no charge he was a very generous guy and um very good man he just didn't know Jesus and so um you know is 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 my dad going to be in heaven? I don't know we We can never know what may have happened with people in the in the last moments, so I'm uh, trusting that maybe God got a hold of him before he passed away. I was not there at the time. Kind of the same story with my mother. Um, she was uh a very nice person, very talented. Uh, she studied architecture and art and um, just a lovely person that everybody loved she was so friendly she um, made friends everywhere she went my mom and dad when he retired liked to travel and so they traveled all over the world and they went to germany and bought a, a 1971 volkswagen camper which my son now has and my grandkids call it the school bus they say grandpa take us for a ride in the school bus so um that camper is what started me thinking about camping and my wife and I had wanted to get a some kind of a camper when I retired and she wanted a big one that had a kitchen and a bathroom and all that and she would love the one I have now so God was never a part of my parents life they never went to church didn't own a Bible they were not married in a church they were married in my grandparents backyard by a justice of the peace but they taught me honesty, integrity, and self-sufficiency. My dad said, "I don't lie, cheat, and steal. I don't cheat on my wife, and I don't cheat on my income tax." And that's the way he lived his life, and so I live my life that same way. And now, I think my I see hear the same words coming out of my son's mouth: "Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal." But um, that self-sufficiency thing, you know, my dad said, "You can." do anything you set your mind to you can take a course you can read a book Uh, he built his own house with his own two hands and I grew up in that house so um, that was my my idea was that those things that you need to do you can you can do and uh, I was very capable of doing those things that I needed to do I think when I was about nine years old my mom sent me up to the um, old baptist church up on the corner we lived on in uh, st paul at the time and she would give me a dime to put in the offering plate and i went to the sunday school and some of the stuff they taught me apparently stuck with me the rest of my life you know i i remember the ten commandments and i pretty much tried to obey them um, and that's the issue for people like me is that you say well i'm a good person um, who needs God? You know I can be a good person, and certainly they would let me into heaven when I die. That idea that you stand before the pearly gates and they put your good deeds on one pan and their bad deeds on the other pan, and if you got more good deeds and bad deeds, they open the gate and you get to go in uh, that's not out of the Bible, and that's not how it works so um in nineteen fifty nine after I graduated from high school um I was on a blind date. One of my buddies set me up with this date. His roommate needed needed a date. And you've heard the jokes and stories about blind dates. You know, it's always the girl that's so ugly, she can't get a date. And so we uh, drove over to pick up these girls at the University of Minnesota. And uh, here was this big, tall, blue-eyed blonde. She was good looking. <laughs> and so. Um, after I met her, I just never went out with anybody else. you know, I thought this is the one." and I dated her for about two years, and then we got engaged and ultimately became uh, married even before I had finished school. I had a uh, scholarship when I graduated from high school, when the scholarship money ran out, I went to work, and it wasn't um, a great job. I, th- I thought it was, but it didn't pay all that well, and so she she beat me over the head and said you, you know you got to go back to school and finish your degree so she basically uh, supported us while I was finishing my degree work at the University of Minnesota and um, we we lived on her her income she went to business college and worked for a GMC dealer and uh, somehow we managed to pay the bills and have a little left over to go to the theater but those were tough years you know we would get to the end of the month and it was pretty much the end of the money So we were poor, and um, when I first met her, I thought, you know, if I'm going to court this woman, I'm going to have to learn some things. Her parents were uh, farmers from up in central Minnesota, and when the time came that I needed to go visit and, and meet them, I went up to the farm. and. There was her dad, who was a deacon in the church, and her mom, who was active in the church wives. And I thought, wow, if I'm going to court this woman, I better learn something about this. So I went to Central Lutheran Church in Minneapolis and took instruction and got baptized in the Lutheran Church. Well, as I understand it, uh, what I learned was here in my head and not here in my heart. Uh, I really didn't understand it. I just went through the motions to satisfy their requirements. So we would uh, go to the Lutheran Church, not every Sunday, but sometimes. And so they sent a group over to um, meet with us. And they wanted us to sign a pledge card. And uh, of course, we were poor at the time. We didn't have any money. Uh, we had a crummy apartment with crummy furniture in it. And these people sat there. And they weren't going to leave until I signed the pledge card. So finally, I said, i got to go to bed. I've got to get up early in the morning to go to work. I said, uh, pull the door shut when you leave. <laughs> and so my, my wife was so mad. She never wanted anything to do with the Lutheran Church after that. We just never had anything to do with churches for years. Most of our friends we met uh, as I would get a job someplace, and uh, we would look to meet friends by joining the bowling league or, or the, uh, some kind of a service club and they just weren't church people they were nice people but they didn't go to church and so um time came when we wanted to start a family uh we tried the do it yourself plan and nothing worked we did everything the doctors knew to do and that didn't work either so after eight years we decided to adopt and we adopt a little mixed race uh boy he was two weeks old when we got him and uh that's my son jeremy who's now uh 50 years old but he um, became a swimming champion. He, um, you know, got went through went through college, got a de- got a degree, and he works in Indianapolis, runs his own business, and so he's a kind of a spokesman for uh, abortion, anti-abortion. He wouldn't exist if his unwed mother had decided it was easier to have an abortion instead of putting him up for adoption. So I'm a, I'm an advocate for adoption as an alternate to abortion. The um, problem with churches, I guess, is uh, the institutional denominational churches, the doctrines they have, I, I found contradictions that I didn't understand, and so I tended to avoid that, and uh, we just went about our lives. We like to go on fancy vacations in exotic places. We put my son through college we're doing well we had the big house on 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 the lake with uh, three cars in the garage and um you know still who needs god so it was in um oh i think about 1970s ni- 1997 uh, my wife uh who was the love of my life uh was sitting on the couch or watching tv and she says i've got a stomach ache and i said uh, well I suppose it's something you ate, it'll go away. It didn't go away, so she went to the doctor, which she rarely did. She was so healthy, she just never needed to go to a doctor. And uh, they diagnosed her with terminal cancer, said she had six months to live. So my question to people is, if you had lived your life as a very healthy person, never got sick, and all of a sudden they say you got six months to live, what would you do? And I get a lot of different answers to that question but in her case she just kept doing what she'd always been doing she wanted to be a mom and a homemaker and she just kept doing what she'd always been doing which was decorating the house she literally was was hanging wallpaper two weeks before she died she took uh, chemotherapy tolerated it very well I thought she was gonna beat it she was so strong And that went on for two years. And so I was in a state of total denial, thinking, well, she's going to get better. She's going to get better. And uh, she was not getting better. But I really didn't recognize that immediately until it it got pretty bad. And so when she died, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, It was unexpected. Neither I or she or the doctor had anticipated she was going to die. Uh, but she, she just you know deteriorated very rapidly and so um, I had called her sister who's a retired nurse and I said I really need some help down here could you come down and I don't know how she got here so fast but she must have driven 100 miles an hour to Minneapolis to get on the next plane to Miami and uh, she literally showed up uh, within a day and so I thought well now things are under control but uh, they were not. And so um, I had to arrange a funeral for my wife. I tell people, you know, if you're doing an estate plan, don't assume that you will pre-deci- predecease your spouse, because that may not happen. I didn't have enough insurance on her to cover the funeral costs. And so um, as I came back from the funeral, um, I was pretty devastated and I was laying on the floor weeping. Didn't know what I was going to do next. Needed to go back to work because I'd been off of work for most of a week, and I was the department head, so I had management work to do. And I suppose I was not doing my job very well. They were not happy with, with me. Um, I had worked for this company. It was called Cortis in Miami Lakes. And uh, it was taken you know, over. It was a hostile takeover by Johnson and Johnson. Uh, Johnson and Johnson. Um, we we basically transferred our pension plans and everything into the Johnson and Johnson system. And so I continued to work for Johnson and Johnson. And um, I wasn't happy with that, but it was pretty late in my career to do anything different. And so I lost I lost my job um when they they did this hostile takeover I got promoted and and moved to another location so um I fell into depression I I had probably was entering depression even before my wife died and after she died um the depression became worse then I was diagnosed with cancer and so um having cancer myself you know when when you get that diagnosis it hits you like a like a hammer it's it's really a a tough tough thing to hear and uh, so on top of the difficulties I was having that that was um, going to make my depression worse so uh, they had me on large doses of antidepressants and that's that was the reason I was not doing my job very well so when I uh, lost the job, uh, I couldn't continue to make the mortgage payments on the house. Lost the house, lost $90,000 in equity. And if I wasn't depressed before, then I was really depressed after that. And so I was, in a, they were giving me an antidepressant, which was doing the opposite of what it's supposed to do. Instead of getting out of depression, I was becoming suicidal. And so I was planning how I could kill myself so it would look like an accident, so my uh, son would get the insurance money. He would have gotten about $600,000 in insurance money if I had died in an accident. And so um, it was a period of time, I think, where you say, well, were you really going to do it, And, and, and would you have done it? And I can't answer that question. I don't really know. I was plotting how I could do it. But what happened was, um, in the, that period of time just before the, the job, and I hired a, an engineer, young guy, and his office was right opposite mine. I never closed the door to my office. It was always open, and I could sit back in my swivel chair and see if he was busy, and if he was not busy, we would get together and have a cup of coffee and talk. So the old guy was mentoring this young guy. And the young guy was a good engineer, did good engineering work. We collaborated on some projects. Uh, We were out of town once at one of the plants and uh, sitting in a motel in the evening. And he uh, confided in me that he was an alcoholic, that he um, played football in college. He was a big guy. He liked to go to a bar and get drunk. And he'd get into a fight, and he'd win the fight. He says, Jim, one time I woke up looking at the world sideways with my head on the curb and I knew it had a problem it was out of control and so um, his wife was fixing to divorce him I think he was aware of it and so about that time somebody from another department invited him to go to Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale well he um, was a Catholic he and his wife were not very obedient Catholics but he didn't want to go to this Protestant church But they sort of, uh, you know, forced him to go with them. And he was sitting in the back of Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale Sanctuary, listening to the preacher preach. And he said the preacher was preaching to him. This is this fascinating phenomenon where you sit in a huge, huge sanctuary, 4,000 people, and the preacher is preaching to you. His eyes are right on you. That's all you see is him. And he said um, when he gave the invitation for salvation, which Calvary Chapel always does, uh, he felt like he should go down there. And he didn't want to. And so he was going through this internal struggle. And he prayed a little prayer. He says, God, if you want me to go down there, you give me a sign. He said it felt like two guys got under his arms and picked him right out of his seat. <laughs> uh, probably two big angels. But he said he went stroking down there and... Gave his heart to Jesus, got saved. So he came back afterwards and told his wife what had happened, and she was not very happy to hear that. But he imposes on her to come to Calvary Chapel with him, and it's the same story all over again. She she got saved. So he says uh, it saved his marriage. He said he says Jim, I've been delivered from alcohol. He says I I no longer have a desire to drink. It's just gone. He says you need Calvary Chapel. And so this happened to be on a Friday, and I looked it up on the Internet because i had never heard of the place and found out where it was, and they have a Saturday night service. So I went to the Saturday night service, and I go to this place, and it doesn't look like a church. It looks like a warehouse. And I went in, and I'm sitting in the back, and I'm listening to the preacher preach, and the preacher is preaching to me. He is answering all the questions I had you know there was a lot of issues that I had and uh, I had gone to a little Baptist church that was meeting in a school right up the street from where I lived and the preacher saw the stranger come into his meeting and he got to talking to me afterwards and he said I found out my wife had just died and I had these issues and so he said well let's meet you know outside of church and I'll deal with your questions so we started to go on to uh, IHOP for breakfast. He would meet me at 6 o'clock in the morning before I went to church, and we'd talk about Jesus. Uh, he didn't know the answers to my questions. He had a master's degree in divinity, but uh, I guess my questions were tough questions. People asked me, what were the questions? I said, I don't remember. It was I think it was the standard stuff that atheists talk about. But in any case... Um, time was going on and he was getting frustrated he said just just do it just you know accept Jesus and I said well I, I can't because I, I would be lying you know I don't really believe and so um, during this time of struggle somebody gave me a, a, a book by Lee Strobel called the case for Christ and if you know the story Lee Strobel was a uh, atheist he was a lawyer and he worked for the Chicago Tribune as a staff writer and he covered all these high profile cases in the city of Chicago courts. And so his wife uh, got saved and he was kind of upset by that. They made a movie out of the story and he decided he would put the Bible on trial to prove that it was not true. And so he used the procedures that lawyers use in the courts to try a case they bring in expert testimony and so he interviewed all these experts of various types and sorts and as he gets about halfway through the story he finds he's losing his case I'm reading the book and I'm with him I all of a sudden become to realize that the Bible is true and that Jesus is who he said he was he had all the evidence there that satisfied My scientific mind it works great for logical thinkers like me people who are accountants uh, scientists engineers uh, lawyers whatever people who who think have to have to get all the facts and get everything sorted out before they can accept it Uh, it may not work so well for people who are of a different type but I've given that book to a lot of people who read it and found it was it was motivating so that was the time Uh, Before I went to Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel, as they answered my questions, I uh, went down there and received Jesus, and this was in um, 1999, or or 2000, the year 2000, September, I received Jesus. And so there was an abrupt change in my life as a result of that, and uh, I began to study. I was going to church twice a week and watching... Christian TV and listening to the Christian radio and stoking on the word uh, I couldn't get enough of it it's like God give me more give me more I want I want more and so I was really studying hard and they came to the time when preacher was preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit which I had never heard anything about my only introduction to church was Lutherans and Baptists and they don't believe in that and so um as he began to unfold the scriptures Which showed That it's the words of Jesus uh, The baptism of the Holy Spirit That was I- exactly those words Is what Jesus said He said you will receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, In power and with fire And so it sounded logical to me I got a hold of a prayer book It was um, Prayers that availeth much By Hermione, um Germain 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 um, Copeland, and uh, no relationship to Kenneth Copeland, but I found the prayer in there for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I prayed that prayer standing in my upstairs bedroom. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not about water; it's about uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, as opposed to the Holy indwelling Holy Spirit within you. And so, as I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um there was a major change then inside me uh, the fire was uh, burning much much stronger and so uh, my my studies became more intense and uh, the Lord began to speak to me he was talking to me quite regularly and uh, of course this is one of the phenomenons that you experience when you get into really intensive study uh, into the word the word speaks to you and then God begins to speak to you through the word and It's almost, you you would say, in in some cases, it's like the audible, audible word. I don't know that other people would have heard it, but I heard it as if it was an audible word, not just in my spirit. And so um, as I continued to study, I said, uh, God, if you don't do something with me, I'm going to explode. And he said, just keep studying. So I kept studying, and finally he probably perceived that I was kind of getting to the end of my rope here with needing to do something. And he said, well, you and your wife wanted to get an RV when you retired and travel around. He said when she died that that idea was spoiled. He said, I will get you the RV and that will be your ministry and you will call it Traveling Mercy's Ministry. So um, I thought I had heard people prayer pray for the um traveling mercies many times so I thought well that must be in the scripture somewhere and I did a thorough search and it's nowhere to be found in any Bible translation that I'm aware of it just doesn't say those specific words so in any case um, I, I accepted the name because God gave it to me it certainly wasn't something I would have cooked up but what I did find was Ezra 821 and um uh, Let me take a look at that here. Ezra 8.21 says, uh, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for us. So in the uh, New American Standard translation, it says safe journey. Same idea as traveling mercies our little ones and all our possessions for I was ashamed to request from the king troops and horsemen to protect us from the enemy on the way because he had said to the king the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all those who seek him and his power and his anger against all those who forsake him so we fasted and sought our God concerning this matter and he listened to our entreaty some translations say he granted our request and so this pretty well sums up my attitude about the ministry the hand of our God is favorably disposed to all of those who seek him and so he gives favor to those who seek him he gives disfavor to those who reject him and my attitude has been that he leads and guides me and as long as he's using me I'm safe when I fly that airplane's not going to crash everybody that's with me is safe but um I do travel into places that are considered unsafe. People say, "Jim, why? You know, at your age. Why are you wandering around the Middle East by yourself?" And I said, "Because that's what God has led me to do, and that's what I'm going to do. I don't worry about it, and I've never had any trouble." You might think that, uh, you know, because I'm fairly outspoken about Jesus, that I might run into trouble in the Middle East, but I never have. So um, that's Ezra and one of the books that people don't usually teach much out of. So I had retired, and um, the RV, which is a travel trailer that I pull with a diesel truck, sort of came to me supernaturally. I didn't do a lot of searching and shopping. It it just, here it was. And um, the guy who sold it to me was a re- retired cop who decided he was gonna become a truck driver to get more money to pay off his mortgage and they weren't using the RV so he sold it to me complete with everything in it all the pots and pans and everything you could need was was already packed into it and he just sold the whole thing to me the way it was and then he gave me a crash course and how to pull a big trailer because I had no experience whatsoever doing that all I had was the little Volkswagen camper and he taught me how to back up and he says Jim just treat it like a 53 footer. He says, take your turns wide and the guy behind you has got to look out for you because you're big. And Don't worry about the guy behind you, worry about the guy in front of you. And I've logged now uh, 350,000 miles and um, that's worked well. Um, I've learned by doing how to back up, how to get in and out of tight spots and I've never really gotten into a jam that I couldn't get out of. There was one time I tried to pull through uh, a uh, fast food restaurant parking lot and it was obvious I wasn't going to make it and I had to back out. But for the most part, the trailer I have, which is 31 feet long, um, gets in and out of most every place I go. I don't need a bigger one. A smaller one wouldn't have enough storage space to store all the stuff that I haul with me when I'm going to be on the road for months. So um, as I began to travel around, I found, you know, some of the ideas I had didn't work. I, uh, I always liked to travel, so traveling w- was, was a natural for me. And I thought, well, maybe God can use me as an ambassador. That's 2 Corinthians 5.20. And I signed up for a short-term mission trip. Uh, just to see what would happen and uh, nothing in particular did says I've spent my entire career as an engineer and a scientist and maybe I could have a ministry to scientists and so uh, maybe I could teach against the theory of evolution because I could do that very well I looked at the scriptures and what they say is in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. he wants to use the weaknesses what's my bigness weakness my big mouth you know and uh, my big ego but in general he gets the glory when people look at you and say it's got to be God that guy just couldn't do that and uh, I've had that experience over and over where people who knew me before um, would look at what I'm doing and say it's got to be God so um, God gets the glory and uh, I get blessed and it's addictive as you minister to others You find that uh, the blessings come and, you know, you say, Well, I want to do more. I want to get more blessings. And so you'll just keep doing this. People ask me, they say, you know, they people contact me. I have a YouTube video that talks about this. And people will contact me and they're thinking about getting an RV and getting into the traveling ministry. And I said, number one, do a lot of prayer and fasting because make sure that God is actually leading you to do this and it's not not something you ate for for dinner Um, it's it's not easy and there are problems and so you have to be prepared to deal with the the issues it is expensive Um, my annual budgets about twenty two thousand dollars so I don't worry about money Uh, money comes from unexpected places and there's always money there to pay for what needs to be paid for. If I blow a tire, there's always money to pay for a new tire. And it it just is there when I need it. I tithe on every nickel that comes to me, and it's like I balance my checking account, and the balance stays about the same. And the natural, that doesn't make any sense. You say, well, you can't spend more money than you earn and have your bank account stay about the same. Well, I know that. Uh, you know, I, I took a lot of math when I was studying engineering, and I understand how <laughs> how you balance a checking account. All I can tell you is, it seems to to multiply. The the money is is growing somehow, and I I don't want to explain that. I can just tell you that God multiplies fish. He multiplies bread. He multiplies teddy bears. I've had that experience in the mission field where he multiplies whatever needs to be multiplied. It's not just bread and fishes that he will multiply. He can multiply money. And so um, he does that. So in 2004, I attended the Pastors and Leaders Conference in Atlanta, which happened to be at Creflo Dollar's big church there. And I was with my cousin Sue, and the leaders from Souls Harbor Church, which is one of the churches I work with in the Atlanta area. It's made up of... Uh, Motorcycle guys, some of the meanest, ugliest looking guys you've ever seen in your life, um, are just the sweetest people you could imagine. (laughs) They get saved and they go into the prisons and they have tremendous credibility because they've been there, done that. There's nothing that they haven't heard that, you know, you can't pull anything over on these guys. So, um, the story, this fascinating story about uh, Larry who started the church, he Uh, was a motorcycle guy. He uh, got into drugs and um, became a drug dealer to pay for his his habit and he got to the point where he was uh, stealing motorcycles (coughs) and parting them out to uh, pay for the drugs. He um, had had a motorcycle shop and so they were selling the parts out of the motorcycle shop and the, the cops busted him stealing motorcycles not for the drugs and he went to jail prison and uh, was given a fairly tough sentence but he got the correspondence courses from Raymond bible college and and he got released on uh, parole way early there was absolutely no uh, explanation for how he got out of jail as early as he did except it had to be a god thing And he came out of prison ready to preach. He said he went back to the motorcycle shop, preached his first sermon on an oil drum, invited all his old motorcycle buddies to come, and they turned the motorcycle shop into a church. And all these guys got saved, and that's that's where Souls Harbor came from. I just love hanging out with those guys. So um, we were there in Atlanta, and um, we were coming out of Creflo's church, and my cousin says, I, I think we're supposed to ordain Jim. And Larry, who can hear from God, says, my, my soul bears witness. And so I got ordained at Creflo Dollar's church in Atlanta, not by Creflo Dollar, but by the guys from Souls Harbor uh, right in the parking lot. So um, it, it was an interesting experience, I think, to have it come about that way, because I wasn't seeking to be ordained. But I was ordained uh, in that church, and then um, subsequently I was ordained in um, a full gospel church in Southeast Missouri called uh, Believer's Fellowship. And then uh, I became a chaplain, and uh, I'm uh, certified by the National Association of Christian Ministers as as a ministering chaplain. And so then I went through the procedure to become a military chaplain. And the US Air Force uh, granted me my chaplaincy a year ago. So um, I find that I'm a member of the auxiliary, that the auxiliary chaplains can be tapped by the US Air Force when they need a chaplain, because they have a shortage of them. So my summer travels are always with no schedule, no itinerary, and no reservations. In the summer, you need to have reservations in the campgrounds, or there might not be a place for you. I I've never been shut out. I always find the place to park for the night. I look for a place where I can minister, so I want to go to an R V park and not park in a you know, just some um Walmart or something like that. And uh I've had cancellations come on the phone as I was sitting at the desk in the R V office. They said, Oh, we're full up and then he'd say, Wait a minute, we just had a cancellation And and it's happened like that over and over again. So, um, in any case, uh, I've got a lot of stories about being on the road all over the country, different, uh, different states. And um, I just find it to be a fascinating experience. I thought that um, God had put me into what I thought was a training slot, that I was going to be seasoned and then put some into some other kind of ministry for the long term. And it's been 18 years and he hasn't done that. I think I'm parked where I'm going to be forever. So I do like to um, go to the churches. I do visitations at churches um, everywhere I go. I need a place to worship and to fellowship with other believers and uh, get uh, get communion. I call that charging my batteries. As you minister all week, you're discharging giving up what you have and you've got to refill the tank. And so the visitations I do at churches, I don't preach there, I just go there to fellowship. But I do have some churches where they look for me to come every year and they say, oh, when are you coming? You know, we're expecting you. So um, occasionally I get, a, get an offering that way. This year has been particularly awful because uh, normally I pack up and leave in April and load up the RV and wander. And I go up to Minnesota, where I'm originally from, and volunteer at a Christian campground called Camp Jim. I've been doing that for 12 years. And um, this year, I was late because of COVID. Everything was shut down. And all of the festivals and rallies and things that I normally attend that where I can minister uh, were canceled. And so I just went straight up to Minnesota and checked in at Camp Jim and stayed all all summer there. They had bought a parcel of land that was wooded. And my job was to clear the woods. So I used the bobcat and the excavator and clean out the woods and (coughs) built a road and um, whacked the weeds and brush out and got it mowed. So they're going to turn it into a tent camping area. And I was able to just finish that just about the time I left, it was starting to get cold and I had to make my way back south so I get home in the middle of, of uh, October. So this coming season now, I hope I will be able to pack up and leave in April, same as usual. And I really, really would like to be able to go back to Israel one more time before I get too old because it, it, it's so interesting to go there and see the biblical sites and it makes the Bible come alive as you read it. Uh, I've been to a lot of places but not everywhere Uh, Israel is bigger than you realize and quite spread out and so if you're going to go there for 10 days or two weeks uh, you, you can't possibly see everything there is to see in a few visits so I'd like to go back and see some more. The last time I was there I was traveling with Palestinians in the Palestinian territories Palestinian Arabs and it gives you a different perspective on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. These people were Christians, not uh, not Muslims. But uh, the guy says, you know, my family has been here for 500 years. This is our home. Uh, we're not going someplace else. And so you say, okay, I thought that a lot of these so-called Palestinians were uh, Arabs who had come in from surrounding Arab states and recently and he said well that's true some of them are but then you have people like my family who have been here forever so you can see there's a difference there I would entertain any questions you might have about traveling ministry or my background or the Bible in general if uh, anybody has anything to talk about or is confused about um, I like to answer questions, it, it shows what people are interested in, the next time I minister I can take advantage of that, people out there in internet land, we don't have an interactive system here, I wish you could, um, you know, maybe email in questions that could be answered during the session, so I thank you for this opportunity, Pastor Joe, uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to speak here, and I thank you again for inviting me to do so.
0: Jim, I have a question. When you do minister, when you go out, when you say you minister, are you like holding a rally or are you just ministering one-on-one? Uh,
4: for the most part, um, I don't arrange events. I go to other people's events. And uh, that gives me an opportunity usually to noodle around and uh, the Holy Spirit will lead me to somebody that I can minister to. And so very often it's a situation where somebody recently lost a spouse, has gone through a financial uh, crisis or something, you know, where I've been there, done that, and I am am in a position to minister to them from the heart and answer their questions. I do a lot of one-on-one ministry, um, quick shops, gas stations, Walmart checkout line, you know, when you got somebody in a checkout line, you can tell them about Jesus, and they're not going to j- lose their place and jump out of line. So <laughs> you've got a, a captive, captive audience. audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But Yeah, mo- for the most part, my ministry is one-on-one, and it's very specific to that person's specific situation. And I do operate in healing and miracles. I lay hands on people, and they get healed. Uh, I've seen limbs grow out, I've seen backs go straight, I've seen a lot of those things that some people think don't actually happen, but it happens a lot, and of course when you get into the third world, it's, it's a different uh, atmosphere than here in the United States where people are so cynical, um, they, they won't accept anything at face value, but when you go to Africa and you've got people living in a mud hut, you know, with a dirt floor, and they have nothing and you preach hope to them, it's like, yeah, yeah, I want that, and I want that now. And their hands shoot in the air, and they start speaking in tongues.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been there. You know, different ministry trips, you know, different countries, third world countries, and you preach Jesus in their home with all kind of uh, darkness around, I guess you could say. You know, you know, they're more open. They're more open. They know they know that there's something wrong with the way they're living. And I've seen that in Guatemala, too. You know, you preach the gospel, and they come up and, and uh, you know, begin speaking in with a prayer language, and you can tell it's not their native Spanish language. You know, you can tell it's a, a heavenly language. And it's not certainly not English. No, you know? no. But, yeah, God has done that. I've, s- I've seen that happen. So you're a one-on-one minister, and you know what, that's... That's how most people... Did you know that that's how most people have been saved? It isn't going to, let's say, a Billy Graham crusade. It's usually a one-on-one, uh, behind-the-desk type situation like you had with your, your friend that got saved at Calvary Chapel. You know, he got saved. He tells you you're at Calvary Chapel. You're getting saved. And then taking that to other people one-on-one.
4: Well, I found this church because the Holy Spirit led me here. And... Um most people who go to a church are, go there the first time because somebody invited them. So it's important to invite people right. and offer to you know, pick them up or, or buy them lunch or something. Um, that helps a lot, I think, to get somebody initialized into coming to your church. But with the one-on-one ministry, you feel like a lot of times you're uh, watering, planting seed, fertilizing. Somebody is going to come along and get the harvest. Right. And for me, I would say I don't get the harvest that often. Um, you have to be satisfied to just say I, I did what the Spirit led me to do, and somebody is going to come along and get that harvest. But I don't have to always get the harvest. Amen. It could be very disappointing to say, well, you know, I've been out here for weeks, and I haven't led anybody to the Lord who accepted it. But um, yeah. that's that's the way the, the traveling ministry works. I minister to people that I probably will never see again, and um, I don't take names and contact information, if, even if they were willing to give it to me. I, I don't do that. So I, you know, I don't keep a list of all the people I've ministered to.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, the scriptures say that the sower and the reaper are one. We have, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we did it together. It's unity, so great.
4: That's true. I, I do get uh, feedback sometimes. Uh, there was one situation where I was uh, parking in this RV park, and this woman came up, and she said, I know you. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't recognize you. And she said, well, she said years ago, I, w- I was in this RV park, and you were there, and I saw you. I saw what you were doing, and I wanted to go talk to you. And I didn't do it. And she says, I regretted afterwards that I didn't go talk to you. And she said it kept eating at me. In other words, the Holy Spirit was working on her, and she ultimately got saved. So she said you were responsible even though you didn't know it.
0: Amen. Amen. That's the way it works. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. See, it's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of times we try to be the Holy Spirit and try to pry people into the kingdom. No, God does it. And when the hammer falls, it falls hard, it crushes the stone hard, and, and people receive our Savior, Jesus. So, Well, Jim, now everybody knows you a little bit better, even those online. If you want to meet Jim, he'll be here Sunday. <laughs> you know, and uh, this Sunday, by the way, you know, Brett and Matt are back from Brazil, and uh, they will be speaking some things. They're going to give some testimonies and some teaching. so, um, you know, be ready. Tune in if you're online, or or come on by the church, 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. We're a uh, half a mile between I-95 and Congress Avenue, um, so it's easy to get to. Just head I-95, go west on High Paluxy. In uh, you're right at the point North Boynton. High Paluxo is the dividing line between Boynton Beach and Lantana, so you're right right there. It's easy to get to. And we'll be here on Sunday. So um, uh, now we know our brother Jim better. And that's what testimony is all about. I know he's been here a while. And uh, he he's well versed in scripture. So uh, you can ask him a whole bunch of questions. You know if you, if you feel the need to. Anyway thank you Jim. Thank you everybody for coming. For all of those online. I want you to know that. You know, we're a church that loves Jesus, and because we love Jesus, you know, we love one another, and uh, we hope to see you on Sunday. So God bless you and love you all. In Jesus' name, amen.